fucking episode 10. Welcome. Welcome to the Empowered Women's Movement or podcast, I should say. We're not the movement, but we're part of the movement. Uh, you're joined with yours truly. And I've got one of my good friends on the podcast today. Her name is Sherry. She's good looking. She's smart. And I thought, why not bring her on? Because the things we're going to talk about today, we both can relate to. And I'm sure a lot of you listening are going to be able to relate to as well. So, Sherry, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks. Very good egg. <laughs> Sherry, we're going to shoot Flattery the shit. will get you everywhere. Oh, won't it ever. Won't it ever. I need to divulge information out of you, so I've got to puff you up as much as I can. <laughs> Sherry, I mean, we, you and I obviously go way back, way mm. back, back into time. Um, so we've got a, oh, God, it's an interesting back. Do you want to, do you, I guess, do you want to talk about that? Oh, you want me to talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> Just came for the uh, the P the G P G version of it, but yeah. Oh, I'm a little bit sweaty. Oh, I'm sweaty. Got sweaty all up in here. Well, yeah, we do go quite a way back. Um, like, I'm very grateful for, to have you in my life, and we've been in and out of each other's lives over the years, but we kind of tend to just swing into it just when the time is right. There's, mm. like, a certain magnetism in our friendship, which is really beautiful. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, oh, God, the way that we – far out, this is making me nervous. The way that we met, oh, it, was, it was a beautiful August evening. <laughs> August. <laughs> Fuck, she even remembers a month. How special. I just play dumb. It's my superpower. So I guess the way that we met, you know, I was working on a short film with um, the woman that I was dating at the time. Mm. And, um, you know, at that time you were, um, you know, you were a pretty rockin' hairdresser. Mm -hmm. That's right. And I guess you answered the call to come and be a part of something creative. Um, and it was kind of crazy because I literally put the call out and you just called me up. You're like, oh, yeah, hey, I just live around the corner from you. Uh, I, I prefer if I just, you know, drop in and actually have a talk to you face to face. I'm like, fuck, this bitch is keen, you know. I think Dennis. <laughs> Dennis reached out to me and told me that you guys were looking for someone and he showed me a photo and I was like, yep, she's fucking hot. I'm going to ring her right now. <laughs> Sleaze bucket. <laughs> well, you know, at least I can rely on my looks to sometimes get things done. Yeah. People, you know. 100%. I can't rely on them for myself. Yeah. But for other people, I'll whore out my face, no problem. <laughs> yeah. And anyway. That was the beginning of a really beautiful friendship from there and a bit of a roller coaster ride for the both of us. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. We won't go into the gory details, but suffice to say, <laughs> we had um, we had somewhat of a romantic connection back in the day that yeah. didn't really go anywhere. But Sherry just admit, I'm the one that got away. Pretty much, like you are the end game, babe. Yeah, um, and I think you know, at that time in my life, it was such a tumultuous time for me um like I came out when I was 15 as bisexual the gay community always laughs at bisexuals mm. so they don't take us seriously and sometimes in turn we just don't end up taking ourselves seriously because of that type of prejudice you know if if I can be so bold as saying it's a prejudice mm. um but you know I, I say that with a grain of salt anyway and I guess anyway that time it was just super tumultuous for me um there was a lot of many turbulent choices that I was making. Uh, I was not a well person mm. and you just popped up and you're just like this gorgeous fit woman has all of her shit together. Like I was completely blown away. And because you were just so such a straight shooter, mm. um, I didn't know how to escape you because I was like such a piece of shit <laughs> if I might be so bold, um, which I never admitted to you and left you always wondering what you had done wrong, why you weren't good enough, but it was never about you yeah. per se. I think that's the key thing for a lot of people who have, and I've been in those situations myself, it's never about you. It's always about the other person. Mm. So the other person's a sociopathic narcissist. Not so much. I'm a very nice person. <laughs> she is. She's just, just an asshole sometimes, not all the time. But I think you've come a long way in fairness. Um, you're obviously married now. Um, 
but you forgot to kind of mention your background. So obviously you're Lebanese, uh, Egyptian Muslim. Lebanese. Not Lebanese, Lebanese. sorry. Sorry, Sydney Siders. She's not Lebanese. She is Definitely Egyptian. Definitely yeah. Um, yeah, and obviously that, that would have made decision-making hard to, I guess, maybe even take a lesbian relationship seriously. Mm, definitely. You know, I'd, I'd always been in relationships with men and women. Um, for me, there was never a question about my sexuality. I had, because like, you know, I don't know if I'm religious or I'm spiritual or if I've got faith. I don't know what you explain. it. I know that I, I am Muslim and that I resonate with my dean quite a lot. Um, you know, there are certain things that it's not that I don't follow them. There's just certain things that I have a lot of questions for. I'm not looking for loopholes per se. I'm still growing, learning more every day. Mm. I was brought up right. So, you know, if there's any Muslims listening, it's not about not being brought up right. It's just sometimes you're born the way that you are and you can't really, you can't change that. Um, mm. And so for me, I never in my youth ever had any issue with dating a woman or dating a man but the thing that kind of you know was always in the back of my mind was well when it comes to marriage what are you going to do like what does your lifelong um secular dream sort of look like how are you going to fit into this very heterosexual society and uh how are you going to make your parents happy by doing that because they have expectations of you You're, yeah your community, your religious community has expectations of you, which I wasn't a part of per se. I grew up in the same area that you grew up. So you got to hang around lots of wogs and lots of multicultural diversity. Mm. I went a completely different route. I was surrounded by a lot of Aussies. Um, you know, there were a few ethnic people thrown into the mix and we played metal and, you know, gigs and music mm. so that whole scene was very different mm -hmm. and for me I was always like well shit what are you gonna do when it's time to get married are you gonna are you gonna marry a woman or is it gonna be a man who are you gonna fall in love with yeah never really thought about it too deeply because it was just too scary um and I think when I met you I was like oh wow like here is a healthy gay woman mm. who has a job has her shit together um, what is that going to look like if you indulge this, give it a chance, and if it works? The person mm. that I was with at the time, um, you know, was very beautiful back then, inside and out, but our relationship was really dangerous. Mm. Um, and suffice to say, you know, I was also in a relationship with a man at the time as well. That's and right. Trying to, and trying to get out of that. So mm. it was not, it was not a, a good time for me. So mm. I didn't know. I was like, oh, if I end up with someone like Amanda or if I end up with Amanda because she's right there, I'm going to have to come out to my family. And I'm okay coming out to my friends and the rest of the community. But So here's the interesting Amanda, thing, you know, right, is that Sometimes we see people and go, I'm not ready I'm not ready for this thing which feels so real because I know I can't really go in half hearted with this thing. But the thing is is that like and I'm sure a lot of people listening, okay, have temptation, the temptation versus something that is quite real, um, versus something that is quite current. And but what's interesting is that you never pursued anything at all with myself. It was kind of like I was this friend that came over and we sometimes hooked up, but that's as far as it got. Well, you made me nervous as hell. I mean, I couldn't pursue anything because you knew who you were. I was, I was, I felt like a fraud whenever mm. I was around you. Right. Um, I do that to that people. Part. Everyone listening, well, I do that to people. We, so if you're full of, of bitch, shit, <laughs> what's that? You're a bit of a bitch, doll. A bit of a bitch. <laughs> in a good way. No, no. <laughs> no, the, the truth is, is that I felt like a fraud because you knew who you were. You had your own issues because you come from an ethnic family too. Mm. Um, but you confronted them head on, you know, you were like, no, I'm gay. This is who I am. Blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. Like, what's it going to be? And I'm just like, what? 
no, I'm nervous as hell and I'm not going to do anything because I don't want to hurt this person who is so incredible, has her shit together while I am just, oh, here's my self-deprecation to like, you know, times 1,000 while I'm just being this piece of shit hurting two other people Mm. and myself and I'm not going to drag her into it. Yeah. See, how I see it, I don't know because I'm wired very differently, if I'm attracted to someone, regardless of how much they, sh- regardless of how much they scare me, I'm going for it. So when you tell me that, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you can say whatever the fuck you want, but at the end of the day, you obviously weren't as attracted to me as you were the other two. Otherwise, you would have pursued it, regardless that's how of. You've always thought about everything though, because that's yeah. your perception. You're yeah. just like, no, no, I'm wired this way. And if I want something, I'm going to go get it. And yeah. that's good for you because mm. you sit on a different podium to everybody else. It's like we're all on these different levels. Yeah. Whereas I'm someone who has to think and evaluate and forecast, which is crazy. Uh, it's not, you know, and like four years of intensive therapy has really taught me just how crazy that is and debilitating. Mm. And, you know, so Amanda, that's why I wasn't able to make a choice for about five years mm. of anyone and why my life was such a spiraling mess. Whereas, you know, you can call that like shit. You're just like, no, I don't buy it. Cause if you really liked me, you would have done something. Mm. But I liked you so much that I was close to you. Like, why couldn't I get, I didn't get rid of that friendship. It was really you so many times <laughs> trying to tell me to like, fuck off, mm. you know? Um, so I just, and that's always been your thing. You see something that you want. And you get it, mm. you go for it and you chase it, whether she's straight, whether she's gay, <laughs> whether it's this new career, whether it's this or that, yeah. uh, that's always been you. Mm. I'm not like that. I'm someone who sits and cowers and thinks and is like, okay, how is this going to plan out? How is this going to pan out? How many people are going to get hurt? What's the future going to look like? What's, you know, and, uh, and again, I've had friends who have said, you know, I just want you to go out and just like be single and just sleep with a whole bunch of people and be free. Mm. And that's not something that I've, I ever used to do either, you know, so that's that sort of sense of freedom and that free thinking. And that's mm. just not something that I grew up with. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. This short ad break is proudly sponsored by my friends at Gravity Colon Therapy. Now, if you're a sufferer of bloating, have lived somewhat of an unhealthy lifestyle for quite some time, or maybe you just feel so much brain fog, then maybe what you need is to try something completely different and take a visit to my friends at Gravity Colon Therapy. Now, I had a session a few weeks ago and my bowel movements since then have been incredibly regular. Now, they've got clinics based out of Brisbane and also Southport on the Gold Coast. These guys are the only place in Queensland which offers the Woods Gravity Method of colonics, which is the safest, most comfortable and effective method of colonics there is. So, to book your first session, make sure that you visit gravitycolontherapy.com.au to get $25 off your first session and let the owner, Christy, know that Amanda sent you. Okay, back to the show. So now, so now you're married, obviously. Mm. Yeah. How yes. long ago did you meet Dan? Uh, I met Dan, I think, two years ago. Mm. And I had just, oh God, this is such a complicated story. And your listeners are going to hate me and think I'm such a moron. But <laughs> I already hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. Just kidding. Um, No, I met Dan, I think it was two years ago. I have everything on my phone because I can be pretty terrible with dates. But in a fight, I'll never, like, forget something. So Mm. always pull things from, like, ten years ago in a fight. But um, So what had happened was I was engaged to be married to um, this man who I'd been in a really long-term relationship with. Mm -hmm. And after I kind of you know, sorted myself out, ended my relationship with the woman that I was dating. Um, You know, we had a discussion, decided that we were going to, you know, make this relationship work. It was going to be serious. And I would move to Sydney. 
to do that because we had been in a long-term relationship for like over 10 years. And so it was always on and off between us. Um, so I took that leap and I went up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was he was cheating on me anyway and oh, wow. whatever, good for him. I didn't realise that. Um, pardon? I didn't know that about him. Yeah, one. yeah. I um, I oof, I found so much, and the thing is, is that at that time I was, I had kind of turned a new leaf in my personality where I wanted to be honest, open. There were all the things he was complaining about constantly, mm. like you're so closed up, you never, you know, you don't talk about anything. Um, so I I started being that person to find that he was really doing the exact same thing anyway. Um, only mm. he could never really fess up to it. Uh, and then we ended up separating um, like a year after I had moved there. Mm. And I moved into one of our mutual friends' homes because essentially I was homeless in Sydney. And um, <clears throat> two of my girlfriends were like, well, we're just not going to let that happen. So you're going to move in with, you know, one of us. Mm-hmm and stay here f- until you get your stuff sorted. Yeah. And it was through so this person was a mutual friend of me and my ex-fiance um and his beautiful wife and I had actually known his family for 12 years and Dan ended up being um his older brother. And mm. I guess I was at the house, the you know my friend's mother's house for dinner quite late and Dan just walked in he'd just come back from the gym and yeah it was just like was it a movie moment it was um I was just quiet I was like looking at this gorgeous guy and this really nice beautiful gorgeous guy he was just so so nice Mm. um and he started talking to me and he's just like oh hey uh I'm Dan and I'm like, oh, hi. Didn't even know, like, you know, that there was an older brother. <laughs> and because <laughs> he wasn't around. He'd been married, um, yeah. whatever. And uh, he's just like, you know, hey, I'm really sorry I heard about what happened and mm. I hope, you know, you're doing okay. And I'm like, no, I'm okay. And then he sat down next to me and um, his mum dished us both dinner and, she left and we just sat there talking for like, you know, a couple of hours. And then I saw him um, a month later. He came over to our house, the couple I was living with, his brother, mm. his sister-in-law, because it was their one month, uh, sorry, one year wedding anniversary. So did you guys exchange numbers after that first conversation? No, it was at the wedding anniversary when yep. he came to our house. Mm. I saw him again and uh, there was a bit of Dutch courage. I was making everyone cocktails. Um, so I grabbed him, pulled him to the side. I said, you're going to tell me all about your life. And he sat there telling me all about his life and people were just looking at like, what the fuck? Dan's actually talking and he's talking to Sherry and he's talking mm. to someone else. And later on that night, I um, just said, you're going to take me out for a drink and here's my number. And we've been inseparable ever since. Wow. What a story. Yeah. How beautiful. No, it was beautiful. He's it was a good just fella. easy. Mm. He's a really great guy. He's he's, you know, really thinks highly of you. I love Dan. He's a good he's a good soul and he mm. when I met you guys in Sydney, so this is not long after f- the show and what have you. We caught up around March from memory. I think I was up there. Mm. And um, I was like, yeah, I'm glad she ended up with someone like – not what I expected because you'd been around Aussies most of your life, like with <laughs> just the music scene and that. And yeah, she ends yeah. up with this Croatian – what is he? Half Crow, half – No, he's, he's fully Croatian. Full he's Crow, just, yeah. Yeah. His like, parents fled communist Croatia, like, yeah, you yeah. know. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, and he's got awesome. really strong family orientation and family roots. It was – I didn't deserve it, really. I, I don't deserve someone like him. He's just... Well, you do. So You've just got to be open to accepting it and that, that's got to come down to a bit of self-worth. So shut up, you idiot. You do deserve <laughs> it because you are a good person. You just... It took you a while to get there for yourself. And you've always actually been a good person um, despite all your confusion and stuff like that. But 
Um, no, I'm glad you actually ended up with someone as grounded as him who, you know, has his shit together. Let's let's face it, he's me as a boy with a beard. <laughs> <laughs> that's um that's like so precise and so spot on. He's grounded and he has his shit together. Like And she doesn't have to fight with her parents because she's now with a bloke. End of story. <laughs> That's how that story goes. Oh, shit. <laughs> so every time oh, you look at that hairy chest, you think of Amanda. <laughs> I'm always thinking about boobs, though. <laughs> every time I look at that chest, I'm like, if these were boobs, it would just be like 10% better. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so you make that comment as though there's a part of you that kind of maybe wishes you might have been with a woman. So why – I guess it's all about timing, right? Like we can't sort of help who we fall in love with at what time we fall in love with. Mm-hmm. And I never approved of your ex-partner. She was a mess, absolute write-off. I'm sure mm. she had beautiful qualities about her and what have you, but there's a lot of stories about her, which I know, which just were not which healthy. Whole scene knows. <laughs> not healthy about you. And that's what we're going to sort of talk about today. We're going to talk about stereotypes in the gay community, lesbian, movies, oh, gay scene, everything and why it gets such a bad rap in the community by and large, right? Mm. So this is why you're coming on. It's not just a conversation between, you know, someone I used to have a thing with many years ago where actually we, you and I had a conversation last week and we started because we go on these intelligent tangents um, Mm. and that's why we stimulate each other so much is because, you know, as gorgeous as you are you actually have half a brain and you're you know very insightful and stuff like that and that's why I really do value your friendship um thanks Dal. and you started to talk about you know like for example some tv shows we look at the l word um we've got lip service we've got um that the one I watched recently um on stand I've got the name of that one the bold type and there's oh yeah, so it's about three best friends. One of them yeah. goes off and starts to experiment with girls, and she ends up being very much like a typical confused lesbian in her twenties. And mm-hmm. it's just the way, yeah, it, it's so interesting the way they stereotype them, wow. but they do them well. So this new show, because the bold type is relatively new, mm. and they still portray a gay woman as being super confused really unsure of what she wants, goes off and experiments and dabbles in this and that and this and that. Well, she's actually – she was actually into guys and then Uh she – on her – one of her work projects, she met uh, a photographer who, you know, Mm. is very, very sure of herself, very firm in her beliefs and her religion and and she obviously got swept away with that. So that was her first experience – um, and then she becomes part of the scene. But because, like what you said about being bisexual, so she considers herself bisexual, goes into this scene and her uh, her girl in uh, – Adina, her name is, mm. she kind of uh, makes her feel a little bit like, well, because you're bisexual, the other girls don't really like it too much. So there's, mm-hmm. they, they kind of go back and forth, back and forth in their relationship in the series itself. So they're not together the whole time. So there's moments where they're not together and um, Kat, who wants to be a part of that scene still because she's made friends with these people, one day Adina said, oh, you know, the girls don't really approve of um, the fact that you're bisexual. She goes out one day and, you know, kind of says, look, oh, Adina doesn't approve of it and the other girls are like, what are you talking about? She's like, Adina doesn't approve of it. We have no issue with it. Um, now let's let's kind of, all right, let's go into this. So I've always had an issue with the gay scene in general mm. because the reason for it is part of the reason why I think people get so confused in their 20s is for a few reasons. So mm. they need to feel a part of something, okay? Mm. So we go into this gay scene because our parents, you know, they, they catch wind of us experimenting or as they like to call it experimenting. We know who we are but mm. then – in our head, we're like, well, maybe it is a phase or maybe I need to be around certain individuals so I can actually feel normal and feel free to be myself. So we go mm. into this gay scene, which for the most part in your 20s is incredibly fucking seedy, um, promiscuous, full of drugs, mm. sex, uh, and you don't know who to trust half the time. And I think it's portrayed pretty pretty well in movies, but then there's 
another part of, you know, being gay, which I guess as you grow older, <clears throat> is very normal. And we've got mm. normal relationships, you know, doing normal jobs, normal things. And I hate using the word normal, but it's the best way to describe a grounded kind of relationship where it's not fueled by these toxic friendships, incestual behaviours and what have you. And in the sense that, oh, I, you know, I've slept with every Tom, Dick and Harry in this group. You know, that, that shit kind of fades as you get into your 30s and you're kind of moving on and, and you've grown and you've, you've matured. Mm. Let's talk about what you mentioned last week. So um, talk about stereotypes, the way I guess they're portrayed in movies and how it kind of fits reality. So I, as I got older, I started – so, you know, I was not – a teen because like me coming out was like in the very late nineties. So, um, you know, I didn't have access to the L word, um, you know, in the early two thousands and whatnot or any of that. It wasn't really until really until uh, Australia got wind of VPN and Hulu plus and Netflix and all that stuff that I started watching these shows and, um, that was my first real insight of the gay community, even though I had been a bisexual for like at that time, maybe 10, 10, 12, maybe 14 years by mm. that time, something like that. Uh, no, that would have made me 30. Anyway, so <laughs> I can't count. Clearly not good at maths. <laughs> not good at maths at all. I'm an artist. Um, so I, I started, this was during my very confused phase because I was like, I'm really unhappy with this man. I've always liked women. Um, mm. He treats me so poorly and I have this beautiful woman who gives me all the attention, everything that I crave and desire. She talks to me. She listens to me. Mm. You know, she's creative. She was my muse. Mm. And I just had these strong feelings because I was so incredibly lonely. Mm. I was not getting that. And this is not because of a man and a woman thing. Uh, although a lot of women who are bisexual will say that, you know, it is different between men and women. This was just like, this man was quite horrible to me. And here came my knightess in shining armor. Mm. Um, and I'm watching these shows and I'm seeing these stereotypes. Well, now that I know our stereotypes, because I'm a lot older and healthier, being portrayed and I'm thinking to myself why this is exciting and exhilarating and this must be what the gay community is like Mm. um you know my issue with it at now that I reflect on it is that's all that you know those those archetypes are what the gay community have had to sort of look up to the Shanes and the Frankies Mm. and um the Alice, like the flippant bisexual who's just fucking everybody mm-hmm. just because. Mm. Here's some dick and here's like, you know, an older woman because I'm not ageist and here's, um, you know, a polyamorous relationship because why the fuck not? Um, all this stuff, all this experimentation is healthy and it's part of sexuality and uh, trying to identify your gender but the toxicity of the whole community mm. is is really represented heavily in no shows and as an adult I'm just I was there going well how the fuck because I'm looking at like my ex-girlfriend's behavior and I'm like well how the fuck was anyone supposed to behave any differently if this is what if this is all that we had for role models mm. because I tried to get into that because I was like okay maybe this is the way I need to behave um You know, if I'm not sleeping with a whole bunch of women, I'm not going to be taken seriously Mm. that I'm, you know, serious about my sexuality. Uh, Everyone's looking down on me because I'm bisexual or I'm the token straight-looking woman in all these gay groups. And if I'm not with the woman who's sleeping around the most, then I'm not cool or whatever. Mm. Uh, And it's just really unhealthy. Um, It made me so depressed and it made me hate myself made me really resent them because you know every time we'd go out there'd be a conversation of oh you're dating her oh 
yeah, we slept together like a couple of weeks ago or we slept together like a couple of years ago or she's been sleeping with her or she's been sleeping with her or haven't you heard? She was actually at this person's house like two days ago. I'm going to I'm gonna jump in there. Yeah, so I went out I went out Friday night, um, went out for a dinner, an impromptu dinner, which then turned into, you know, we, we ran into some friends and then we went to one of the local bars here. I had a glass of water. I stayed for about 15, 20 minutes and then I had to go. Yeah. One of the girls there that I got introduced to, she was gay. And mm. um, she goes, oh, you actually know such and such. And I go, uh, I had to think for a second. I go, oh, yeah, okay. She goes, yeah, she's my ex. And she goes, we just we just broke up not that long ago, like a few days ago. And I go, oh. She goes, yeah, yeah, you, you used to talk to her. I'm thinking, talk to her. I used to, I slept with her. And I'm thinking, I didn't say anything. But mm. I thought, that's... Like, it, it's such a small community that I'm like, cool, we're not even going to go there with that conversation because I don't want to, you know, that, that was just a one-time thing and it was whatever. Um, and But she kind of confirmed what this other person's personality was like and I was like, yeah, okay, well, that, that kind of makes sense why that just fizzled out naturally. Mm. For me, I mean, back in my 20s, if I slept with a hot girl or hooked up with a hot girl – and, you know, they sort of weren't giving me much. I was all for that chase. I just wanted more, more, more. But what a lot of that came back to was the attention I wasn't really getting at home as well. So I was kind of conditioned mm-hmm. to crave what was already happening in the family home, which was not much attention. Yeah. So that was my idea of real love, you know. Mm. And a lot of these women who have I guess narcissistic tendencies because there's narcissism on different levels in the gay community and it always comes back to poor parenting you know parents find out their child's gay or that they're a little bit different to the Mm. other siblings or whatever and they get treated differently Mm. and and that's unfortunate because then we you know we go okay well fuck you we're going in the gay scene where we feel a part of somewhere but because we've got trauma and our idea of what love is or isn't, we get mixed up and entangled in these very toxic situations, which then could take, you know, the next few years to to re-establish what a healthy relationship actually means. And there's so much healing which is involved in all of that because at some point our parents fucked up, right? Mm. And it for me it's like, all right, well, if we're gonna if the gay community is ever gonna be a healthy space. It's got to start with the parents' acceptance, you know. Mm. And being twenty twenty one, where gay marriage is now a thing, right? Like people say to me, "Do you go to Mardi Gras? Are you going to go to Mardi Gras? I go, what the fuck for? Are you going to go to the straight march? What for? <laughs> Are you going to march? You go, yeah, I'm straight. Yeah, fucking oath. Are you going to wave like a white flag because you're straight? You're not going to catch me in any rainbow shit um, um, clothing. I can tell you that now because the colours look terrible, and. <laughs> And, but look, I'm sure once upon a time there was a reason for that. You know, people were marching loud and proud because once upon a time there was that suppression. There was that you're different, we don't accept you, you know, you don't have equal rights. I get that. But yeah, absolutely. What I really... And the women were being murdered and butchered and beat up, you know, and uh, discriminated against in Australia Yeah. Um, because that discrimination still happens and it still happens everywhere else. But... Mm you know, um, right up until, oh, God, whatever. Um, and that's why the the Pride March started. It started in 78 because men and women took to the streets to start holding these little festivals and these marches and just say no more to bring awareness about it. And mm. each time um, they'd get arrested, battered, bruised, Mm. kidnapped, whatever, just the worst of the worst Mm. until it became this. But the thing is, um, and this is something that I, during our discussion, that I actually forgot to mention to you, Mm. all the times that I went to Mardi Gras, and, you know, this is such a controversial thing for me to say because the Mardi Gras is about gay rights and pride and it's about equal love. Uh, Every time I've been there, I'm always getting hit on by men. 
<laughs> women do not talk to me. Yeah. The men are always trying to pick me up for some kind of a fucking threesome. Oh. And there are so many straight people there. Yeah. Nothing against straight people. Like no. I'm in a hetero relationship now. Yeah. But it just blew my mind because wow. I'm just like, what is this about? Like, you know, is this like, I don't know. Am I the only one who's experienced that? It was just, I'd be walking through the streets. I'd be just, you know, it was happy, one big whatever. party. It's one big party. I, That's what I mean. It, it's like, okay, well, whatever the spirit of it for it was originally, it, it was okay. I'm sure it was that, but it was also very much a promiscuous party. Like, I went there mm. when I was 19 and I'll never forget it. Like, uh, from the hotel room to being on the street, like it was incredible. It's an incredible energy. There's thousands of people everywhere. The streets are filth afterwards. Like just, oh, yeah. oh, oh yeah. it's unreal. And then it's just a party for two, three days. And that's the thing about the gay scene is like it's just one big party. And I had some of my best nights ever in gay clubs, like absolute mm. scream in my 20s. But I was also, I remember being my most confused, um, having the most anxiety, having the most trust issues and stuff in my 20s. And it Mm. just, just that whole environment. And that's why sort of now I'm like with gay people, I'm very cautious with what gay mates I have in my life because Mm. unless they really have their shit together, like that girl was a perfect example, you know. Oh, yeah, you used to talk you know, to, to my ex, this and that. And I'm like, it's so fucking typical. Like, yeah. of course I've spoken to your ex. Like, it's such a small world type thing. But then I think, you know, you go into a normal straight bar and it's just, you know, everyone's there, straights, gays, because you don't know who's who in a straight bar, right, mm. where it's right. everyone's welcome, whatever. The environment, for the most part, is healthy. You know, it's mm. like you're not having blokes in girls' toilets pashing on, um, you know, Oh, people waving ammo in your face on the dance floor like they did in gay clubs. <laughs> Remember that? Hey, babe, you want to hit? Whatever the fuck you got in that jar, you need to put it in the cleaning cupboard and that's where it stays. <laughs> like, I'm not sniffing that shit, bro, you know? Just... I've never been um, approached in, like, in a heteronorm way and had – like a man tell me oh yeah yeah i've slept with your friend or or you know that girl yeah, yeah i slept with her too like and it's right, normal women say, and accepted oh, i used to sleep with him and all that stuff like it it is more prevalent yeah. in the gay community and it made me so sad because yeah. all of a sudden i'm not special anymore she doesn't choose me granted like that's a that's a you know I was in a relationship with someone who lived in another state that I was trying to get away Mm. Uh, and I hadn't fully – it's not like I completely chose her either because I was trying to get out of my own fucking way. Mm. But it just – it made me go, fuck, she doesn't choose me. She chooses this guy and this girl and this guy and this girl and this bald guy at the bar. I don't know nothing against baldness, but like, what the fuck is with that? This guy she just rode like carpooled with, and these two chicks, and you know, my my manager that I was. She was very much shame, wasn't she? She was like shame. Yeah, she had the same haircut and everything, like the same. (laughs) Like, uh, we were that. um, What is it? Calm. Carmel. Carmen? Carmel. Carmen. Who's now the star of Sex Life. Oh, my God. What a show. What a woman. Yeah. Mm, Carmen's gorgeous. Carmen and Shane. Yeah. 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 So, and that's the thing. It's it's that, Kim, it's that um, the promiscuity of it Mm. just made me feel like I wasn't special. And I think my whole life I had been looking for some kind of validation that you're special, I choose you. Mm. And I didn't find that with her or with him Mm. or with anyone else, really. It wasn't until I met Daniel where I actually got to experience a healthy relationship for the very first time. Mm. And it was like I'd say to my therapist, like, what is this? Like, I don't have to jump through hoops. I'm not being abused. I'm not being coerced. Um, I don't have to fight against other women or other men or anyone. Mm. And my therapist is like, this is what a healthy relationship is. Yeah. It's not it's meant just to you be two. hard work. Yeah. 
So true. Yeah. So, so true. I remember having my fair share of toxic relationships in my 20s. Mm. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you just don't know who that person's also talking to. Um, and the thing is, is to, like, when you find that that forbidden fruit in your 20s and, you know, the sex is generally what keeps you together because it's mm-hmm. off, you know, it's off the chain, it's amazing, the chemistry is incredible, mm-hmm. they're really good at telling you what you want to hear and then before you know it, they're also seeing two or three other people, they try and convince you why it's okay, you stupidly accept it. Um, I think we've all been in those situations at some point where, um, especially in the gay community, probably not so much in the straight community, but in the gay community it, it's almost accepted that at some point you've dated a real player mm. that, you know, will again try and convince you that that is somewhat normal when it's fucking far from normal uh, and it's right. completely unacceptable and then it comes down to, you know, people will never do or say what you don't allow them to do, having enough self-worth to go, this is unacceptable I'm not going to fucking be a part of this shit. You go sort your stuff out. Have fun with your fucking yeah. threesome party that you've got going on over there. I'm done yeah. from this. So I remember yeah. sort of being in my, oh, what was it, mid-20s or so, where I was like, you know, you really are the sum of the five people you associate with. And Gosh, that's so true. You know, and if you, you're hanging around with these people that are hanging around with those people that are in that scene, you're only going to get more of that bullshit. And then at some point the penny drops and you walk away from that and everything else kind of starts to sort itself out. You know, relationships with yourself get better uh, and you start kind of start that sort of healing process and that, you know, feeling feeling somewhat grounded. You know, grounded is the key word is where you're like, I feel healthy. I feel like I've got good people around me. I feel like I can really trust these people that I'm in, like that I've got surrounded by myself and, and all the rest of it. But... Yeah, it's just it's such an interesting it's such an interesting thing and it just like I said meeting that girl Friday night and as soon as she opened her mouth I was kind of reading her body language and I thought she's definitely off her head she's on something oh and gosh. she had this hot girl behind beside her who also looked like she was a bit off her head mm. um and she the other one had short blonde hair so it's a typical you know tomboy with a hot hot bird by her side Mm-hmm. And I wasn't attracted to either of them, and I was like, I wouldn't even be friends with people like you. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas back in the day, it's like, all right, well, okay, so you're cool, and she's hot. Um, do we like? For me, I didn't give a fuck back in the day. I didn't because it, you know, you had that hierarchy in a gay club in the gay scene. You had like the jock, so that mm. the token lesbian who wore the best clothes, who was super cocky slept with all the hot – had the hottest girlfriend in the scene Mm. and only dated the hottest girls in the scene. And I just remember sort of looking from afar, feeling incredibly disconnected from it all. Like, because I I just used to go to a gay club, have an absolute fucking ripper of a time and that was it. I didn't want to be a part of the drama. Do you remember Max and Alicia? Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly that. The the hard – Tom, the hard femme tomboy with the hottest girlfriend in the scene, mm. Alicia. Who's mm-hmm. now married to a man. Uh, married to a man, yeah. And yeah. Max was just like this. She Max looked like ashamed. Bruno Mars. She, oh, God, she was gorgeous. She looked like Bruno Mars. Alicia was just like, shit. Literally. Oh literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't – I think she was hot in her own way. I obviously wasn't attracted mm. to her. I thought Alicia was – well, no, fucking incredible. You, you would have been attracted to Alicia. Yeah, femme, more femme, black hair, <laughs> yeah. green eyes. Shoot me now, like Stunning woman. hot. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it was always interesting to be an observer from far. Whereas now, I'm like, like, so for back then, I'd sort of felt a little less than because we were kind of we were more we were more down to earth, fun, this and that. There was. You know, there's those girls in the scene where they're show ponies and they know they're hot and they know they're yeah. kind of cool and stuff. And I bet you if you spoke to them now, they'd be nothing like that. I think at some point everyone comes down to earth. Um, mm. But I guess in some way it, there's a there's a deep yearning for just wanting to be liked. And I think yeah. that's where those girls really tried hard to stand out back then. 
Um, but it's funny when you get to your 30s, everyone's very much on an even playing field. Um, and those people that are kind of would have almost not idolized, I guess you could say kind of idolized from afar without making it obvious and be like, mm. I feel like I'm at the top of my game now, um, knowing who I am. And I just think I wouldn't even bat an eyelid twice now if mm. I saw you down the street because not because of I think I'm better than you, but because I look for good qualities in people. Not how you look, not how you dress, not how pretty you are. You can be the most stunning thing in the room. But if I see that there's something just not genuine about you, you're not attractive. Like mm. you, you, your your looks will get you so far in my world and that's it. Speaking about that, um, it just yeah. reminds me of like our conversation about like archetypes in on TV and in films. Mm. Um because I tuned into Neighbours um, after, oh, God, I used to watch that when I was like a child, uh, and I noticed like this clean gay couple with a baby uh, who are just, you know, they've got a house, their life is all together, they're, they're gorgeous men, and they have a kid and they're super healthy, and then you throw in the lesbian and all of a sudden her life is like a steaming pile of shit and it's tumultuous because she's in love with a straight woman who's also curious and then here we go this big freaking whirlwind mm. um and in the l word it's like bet and tina you know had the baby and like we're all together but then all of a sudden that's not good enough mm. because the stresses of marriage and clean living and being healthy and all that stuff is going to get to you and everyone's going to cheat and go fuck each other and fuck someone else. So then they so, go back to kind of like that um, that yeah. gay default setting of yes, this normality now, is not cutting it. We need to go back and right. be a bit fucked up. Be a bit fucked up and just, and just cut loose and why the fuck not? Like why not self-destruct uh, underneath every woman that we can find? Yeah. Um, and but the thing is, like there are stereotypes now that I am starting to see, and I hope that there's more of that, of the diversity that the gay community actually is, and showing real relationships and real family settings because that type, that old type of lifestyle is just not sustainable. And you know, you and I came out of it because we were searching for something with meaning and substance. Mm. And there's a lot of women and men who have come out of it and that's what they look for. Um, but it's it just there's still not enough of it. And I guess, you know, mm. it, we, the whole gay acceptance thing is still super young and whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's just frustrating to to think that those stereotypes are still being portrayed when they could do something like what's being portrayed on Neighbours, a couple of other shows, of just a clean, healthy gay couple yeah. who have exactly the same as a hetero couple would. And I don't know why that's so difficult because yeah. I know a lot of gay women who have their shit together, you know, and it's not for um, it's not for any less of us, like what's the word I'm trying to say? It's not like they didn't struggle. They've had all, they've had much harder struggles being gay women. Yeah. But it's not like they're not living clean and healthy. Yeah, yeah. And that's the they thing. have a family. Yeah. A lot of these yeah, I agree. I think now, as you know, we've had gay gay marriage um pass through and stuff, they really do need to change the way they are portraying lesbians on T V. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've got some gay friends in Australia, all over the world. I've made a lot of connections through the show itself and I've got a massive female gay following and I mm. hear their stories of, you know, the toxicity that still goes on and, you know, they break up with their partner, the partner's still living with them, that partner's seeing someone else and it's like, you wouldn't fucking do that in a normal, in a, in a straight relationship. Well, I'm sure it happens. It does but, happen and you're, you're told that you're a fucking dickhead though. Like your yeah. other friends will just be like, what are you doing? Yeah. You're a fucking dickhead. Come yeah. stay with me, my couch, whatever. Yeah. Let's sort it out. Like it's just not accepted. No. And that's the thing. It's like I wouldn't – well, if you wouldn't accept – if you're a woman and you've got a, a husband or whatever and you've broken up and, okay, you, like I'm again, I'm not saying it doesn't happen in the straight relationships but it seems to be more accepted – 
in a gay situation and it's like, no, mm. no, what are you doing? Like this person needs to leave. Tell them to pack this shit and go, you know, yeah. otherwise you're not going to heal. <laughs> Um, yeah. just stuff like that and I just think step gay people really need to elevate their standards so do straight people mm-hmm. people in general need to elevate their standards but unfortunately why the gay scene can be so toxic is that it's a pool of people all looking for love and acceptance and unfortunately it comes in unhealthy ways because again and I don't give a fuck what anyone says it comes back to bad parenting so until mm. these parents get their shit together and if you're a parent listening listen up if your child is gay or you have any suspicion that your child may be gay I really do hope that you do your best uh, possible to try and accept that child don't make them feel that they are less than don't talk to them or treat them or, or see them any differently to your other children because they don't get a choice that's the thing we don't get a choice who we sleep with that night is really no one's business but when you when you <laughs> when you uh, do your best to push them out of what you think is normal, that poor child spends the better part of their life trying to refine who they are and mm. it goes through a cycle of toxicity only to realise and come out of that and go, all of that shit was because of how I got treated at home. Amen. You know, and yeah. yeah. So we're on 52 minutes. I reckon uh, we'll probably wrap it up there, babe, unless there's anything else you want to say. No, we could just talk forever, but I'm sure your listeners have had enough of <laughs> hearing my F-bombs and B-bombs. And oh, don't worry, me and you both. Rambling. <laughs> so, no, thank you. I really appreciate this opportunity and it's it's been um, it's been such a journey mm. and, you know, I just want to say you are the one that got away, mm. but um, I was not ready to accept your love because you have much greater things destined. clearly um you know and it's been it's been four years of really intensive therapy of me trying to deal with you know the the abuse of my hetero relationship that I was in previously Mm. and then Mm. the toxicity of the gay relationship that I was in Mm. all of those choices my parents expectations my spiritual conflict and everything um and it really kind of has helped the first step for me was accepting myself and trying to set boundaries and say yeah no more I'm not going to get treated like this I didn't know why because I still didn't believe that I deserved love only that I wanted love and wanted to be validated Mm. that I was worth it Mm. um but one of my other steps was to you know talk to you about all those things that we went through together and let you know it was never your fault. It was not you. Mm. And it had always been me and my issue because of the way that I hadn't fully accepted, you know, the beautiful bounty that was in front of me and how I was going to deal with that. I hadn't Mm. accepted in in my mind that, oh, there's a possibility that you could be gay. And I wish that I had you know, when gay people say, no, I'm gay, it's because they've spent quite some time really processing it, that they're gay. Yeah. And they can, they can say, no, I'm gay and it hurts and here's all this confusion and all this stuff. And then there are people like my ex who's like, oh, no, I'm gay and my family just accept me and fucking that's amazing. Mm, mm. Do I you always think, knew um... I was bisexual. I could never say I was gay because I'm not gay. Yeah. And that was really hard. I, I had no definition because bisexuality has just never been accepted unless in porn, really. Had you um, had you met any other women after your, your other ex? We won't mention names. Uh, oh, gosh, there was heaps. Yeah. There was heaps of women. No and one that ever really clicked for you? No, nobody that ever captivated me the way that um, she did. Yeah. And, you know, or sort of represented everything that you did. Mm. Um, Which at the time I, I was kind of in a relationship anyway, yeah. I think. Uh, <laughs> I was um, – I met a woman, though, who was Bosnian. Mm. No, she was Turkish and she was Muslim and she was gay. I met her on a dating app. She had kids and she just left like a very sad and unhappy marriage and mm. she was really happy, really 
like, and again, and that scared me because I was like, well, fuck, I don't know who I am. I'm just, I'm just a mess right now. And I don't know what I'm doing. You know, she knew what she wanted out of life. Mm. So that was probably, yeah, that she, I don't know why she came to mind, but um, there was also the religion thing. I hadn't met any gay Muslims. I didn't know any gay Muslims really. Yeah. Yeah. So, How interesting. That's another, Maybe, that's another um, I guess a part of me feels like you still are scared to accept that potentially you could have had something real deep down. I think, am I wrong in saying that maybe you were too scared to go against your parents? Because, I mean, your parents are strong Muslims. Yeah, I remember my, that's really interesting. So I had an auntie who was staying with us from New York. She was one who outed me to my mum. Um, she probably heard me and my girlfriend mm. in the room. And again, you know, my parents worked shift work. They'd slept like logs, but who knows? They probably saw signs. They just didn't want to talk about it. Didn't want to admit it, you yeah. know, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. My auntie outed me and my mum kind of came up to me once and said, she's like, look, if I, you know, I can see that you are so unhappy like, because I was so unhappy. And she goes, and if you are that way, and she didn't say what way, she said, if you are that way, you know, do you want to talk about it? Do you want to tell me about it? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm fine. Mm. She's just a friend. We're just really good friends. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that was it. So there were times where I feel like my parents gave me an opportunity to talk, but I was too scared of the doors that that could have opened because, and I go back to this again, if I'm not gay, that's going to confuse them even more. I felt like I couldn't say to them, mum, I'm bisexual, I'm Muslim, I'm Egyptian, so deal with that. Mm. Whereas if I could have said, well, no, I am gay, okay, let's talk, let's walk through this very scary door, mm. that's something that they could have digested and whichever way they would have gone with that, they would have taken that road. Uh, or, no, I'm straight, and that's also very acceptable. Mm. But I think turning around and saying, well, I don't know what I am. All I know is that I am this and I sit on the fence all yeah. the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hopefully that answers you in some kind of roundabout way. Yeah, it does. I just, I've just i always wondered, you know, did you fully, fully accept yourself enough and um, – did you shut that door because you were scared of what your parents might have said or did you genuinely just fall in love um, and he was everything you wanted and you're happy with that and you're happy with your decision and not because you were too worried about losing your parents' approval, you know? That, yeah, being with him and choosing this relationship has nothing to do with my parents. It's um, I met someone, he happened to be a man, he happened to be an incredible, incredible person mm. with kindness that I've never experienced. And he helped me. He didn't even do anything really other than just be himself. Mm. But this relationship has shown me what healthy real love is mm. and what um, and how wonderful it is to not have to jump through hoops. I, like my ex was very abusive and coercive and manipulative and I don't have that. Mm. Um, you know, I don't have to worry about him. He doesn't sleep with other people behind my back or message other women. Yeah. And I don't feel like I'm second fiddle all the time. Like there's not this knot or anxiety. So I don't think of it as closing the door. I just, the person I happen to fall in love with just happened to be him. Yeah. And yes, he's a man and he has a penis. I have always (laughs) fallen in love with either women or men. That's the way it's always been. For me, it's never been a gay or straight thing and that's that's I, I don't know that's the thing about being bisexual which is frustrating best of both but worlds. I just you know my best friend calls me a slut because of it <laughs> <laughs> and with that I will let you finalize this episode of your podcast <laughs> amazing well there you go guys that wraps up episode number 10 so sherry i want to thank you so much for coming on today um so obviously guys make sure that you're following us on these socials so 
If you're listening to this on Apple, you can give us a rating uh, and a written review. If you're on Google, um, say hello. If you're on Spotify, most of the listeners are on Spotify at the moment. Um, But I'm always looking for feedback on social. So reach out to me. Let me know what you thought of this episode, if it was relatable. Also feel free to take a screenshot of this episode, chuck it up on your stories and tag myself at amanda.m.mikolov. Sherry, do you want to tag your socials or nah? Oh, you can find me at Sherry Vengeance. No, don't worry about it. It's all good. <laughs> Thank you so much for this opportunity. I I really appreciate this. Um, this is the first time that I've actually come out uh, with my story in public and spoken about being, um, you know, bisexual Muslim woman. So it's it's a bit of a big thing. So thank you, you for go. giving me this platform and letting mm. me kind of talk about my huge and fucked up journey oh. <laughs> with you. That Still love you, girl. Still love you. Love as you. messed up as you were. <laughs> you come out on the other side, okay. Oh, thank no, God you're good looking. Otherwise, <laughs> see you later. <laughs> I know how you feel about them brunettes. Oh, you know, they get me every time. Anyway, on that note, guys, we'll catch you on the next episode.